0: Yeah, I'm uh, Richard Burns. I'm a Manchester City fan. I'm on Twitter at RichardTheBurns.
1: Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us. I'm Zach Foster. I'll be representing Liverpool today. My Twitter is at
2: ZachFoster underscore AI. Yeah, and I'm going to borrow Zach's line just then and we'll thank you guys for joining us. Uh, first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Uh, Welcome for the first time, Richard. uh, What's been going on over at Manchester City this week?
0: Um well I mean on the pitch we've had a um a good week getting back to uh, form after a um absolute um beating uh, last weekend by by Liverpool um we had the not the easiest task against Southampton at weekend um we were good in patches in that game and I think a 3-1 win was about right but there were times in that game where Southampton really, really dominated the midfield, which was concerning for us. Um, so there's two ways of looking at that. One is, like I say, it's concerning that Southampton had so much of the ball uh, once they got one goal back. City, like they were rocking a bit. Um, the positive is that we did something we haven't done for a few weeks, and we, we weathered that storm and rode it out and went on to kill the game with a, a fantastic third goal. So it's nice to know that the is back, that it's been maybe arguably missing for a few weeks Um, the midweek game against Hull um, obviously so it's progressed to the uh, Capital One Cup semi-final which is a massively underloved competition I still don't really understand it because it's so little um, expenditure of effort and and resource not of effort sorry but of um, in terms of the season you don't have to play so many games to get to the final if you if you can manage your squad properly Um, it's massively undervalued by managers supporters Um, and and clubs in general. So I was really pleased to see us reach the semi-final. We've got a very difficult two-legged game against Everton to come um, and we're taking nothing for granted there because they look increasingly impressive again under Martinez. Um, We were very good in that game. Um, It was great to have David Silver starting again who was majestic and proved exactly why we've missed him and the natural inclination is to say, well, it's only Hull. So he should be, you know, a world-class player should be performing and, and dominating a team like that. But it was his first start back from injury and he linked up fantastic with the players. He glides across the pitch um, and he's just fantastic to watch. So just from a, a purely as a match attending supporter, it's always fantastic to have a, a player like that to to pay your money and see. Um, the team will be far better for having him in it. Um, Fabian Delph has been one of the highlights of the week after his incredibly frustrating start to life in Manchester. Um, he's been so injury-prone that, I mean, there were ridiculously premature talks of having another um, another Jack Rodwell on our hands, which is ridiculous because Delph doesn't have anything like uh, Rodwell's injury history. He's starting to look really impressive. Uh, the, I think the it sounds almost like underplaying him, but... I think it's the best thing and the most complimentary thing I can say about him at the moment is he just looks at home in the team. Um, He doesn't look in any way out of place, which I think for a player who's been used to fighting relegation battles, to step into a a team that's playing Champions League football and challenging for the title, it's a completely different one, a completely different mentality that you need. Um, And so it's a different technical set of skills. He's playing for a team that play each game on the front foot and try to assert their authority rather than playing a team that, by the nature of not being very good, have to be reactionary, have to react in games. Um, so it's been really impressive to see him put his injuries behind him, hopefully for good, um, and just slot into the team, just look perfect next to uh, Fernandinho and play with Yaya Toure. He doesn't look out of place at all. Um, and then the stuff that interests me slightly less, but I think I need to at least pay lip service to. Um, City have had a big announcement off the pitch this week in which they've uh, secured a mega deal with uh, Chinese company, uh, Chinese media something holdings, you'd think I remember the, the final part of that, but CMC <laughs> holdings um, in which they've invested 400 billion dollars into the club for a 13% stake um, worked out as round about two hundred and sixty-four pounds, which is a phenomenal amount of money um, and near enough uh, recoups the money that Sheik Mansour put into the club uh, in 2008. So any uh, any of the crazy talk that he might just see City as a play thing or you or know, what happens when he gets bored, all those usual things that um, rival supporters level at City and have leveled at Chelsea and Abramovich for years, um, we finally put that to bed because that investment is crazy. Um, we've given uh, the CMC chairman, now has a place so on our board. Um, I'm not well up enough on the business side of things to know if it's all positive and if that's a great thing but it seems to be aimed at growing city's name in china which is still a massively um under exploited market um mm. like i say, that stuff it doesn't really excite me that much it's not what i'm into for football but if it benefits city um as it should then like i say it's at least worth paying lip service to. so it's been a pretty big week for city mm. um we've been we look like a team, or we have looked like a team, that for all our title ambitions, we lost three of our first 13 league games and not many teams win the league by losing at that rate. We don't look like a team that can put a 10-game sort of on beaten streak together. Um, but it's usually this... In Pellegrini's two full seasons with us so far, it's been this stage of the season where we've hit our best form. You think back to 2013-14, it was... Literally this stage in the season where we went on an unbeaten run until February, that was the bedrock of, bedrock of us winning the league. And even in last year, which was underwhelming in every regard, our best run still came at this point. So if you can read anything into that, um, the fact that we we turned in a couple of decent performances this week while still room for improvement, um, it's encouraging. Um, and hopefully it's a Pellegrini is going to see this as the point in the season where he gets the best out of the players again. Um, and which is another reason why the whole win was so good because again, of course, it was only whole, but we completely dominated the game start to finish. And it's a massive cliche, but winning's a habit, um, and winning breeds winning. So to be back in that that swing of things is it's really encouraging. It's been a good week for us. Um, I suppose it's encouraging that there's room for improvement as well. If this was our best, I'd be worried, but it's not. So yeah, I think very positive feeling at the moment.
2: Yeah, I think I saw a stat somewhere that you've only had Silva and Aguero play more than 70 minutes in four matches this season. So clearly not uh, at full strength. And thank goodness Man City finally got some investment. I was worried about you guys.
0: They touch and go with the finances. (laughs)
2: Yeah, imagine any other club getting that much money in the Premier League shy of Chelsea and that that rampantly changes everything. And it's like, yeah, just a few 200 more million. Not really worried (laughs) about it. Um, You mentioned their uh, injuries a little bit, as did I. Uh, are we thinking this Aguero thing is short term that we'll be able to see him back on the pitch shortly or do we think it might be a little longer of a layoff?
0: Um, I think he'll be back quite soon. I think, um, and I could be wrong on this, I think the aim or the hope was to have him back for this weekend's game against Stoke. Um, I think that was the original aim um, and he, he sent out a tweet a couple of days after his ankle injury uh, confirming that it wasn't as bad as uh, some journalists were reporting. Um Pellegrini does have a tendency to rush Aguero back he's very much uh, our golden boy in that regard and understandably because he's a phenomenal footballer and even at 80 percent of his best he's going to terrorize most defenses and he's generally good for a goal a game this is his record over the last couple of years is not far short of that so you can understand the temptation to throw him in Um, especially when our other option is Wilfred Bonney who just doesn't fit the the style of our team and it's not that he's a bad player because he's he was the the top scorer in the calendar year of 2014 in the Premier League. So we know that he can score goals. Um, and even in what I think most City fans see is not a, a great spell for him with us. He's still putting the ball in the net, but he misses he misses a hatful of chances a game. And the sort of things that you think somebody with a natural striking instinct should be burying, but he snatches at chances. Um, and then our other option is the... Uh, The great young hope of Ian Iheanacho, who looks a a fantastic talent. Mm -hmm. Um, And Pellegrini, for me, has been a bit too cautious with how slowly he's integrating him into the team. Um, But he doesn't seem to see him as a striker, despite making those kind of noises in the summer that we didn't need to sign another striker because Iheanacho could be that player um, and could fill in that role. Uh, The noises that Pellegrini's made since he's really come to prominence have been that he sees him more as a... Um, playing off the striker in more of a maybe a creative role, um, and who am I to question the manager's judgment? But it's Plenty I would well. rather use, <laughs> yeah, I'd rather use him as a striker um, than risk Aguero if he's not fully fit. But I think you can see the temptation, and in reg- as regards to where he's up to with his injury, we will know more um, hopefully after Pellegrini's uh, Friday pre- press conference. But he can usually be a bit cagey in giving information. I mean, he bats, he just bats every question away with um Pretty dull answers, to be honest. So, I wouldn't expect us to find out too much until we see that starting lineup on Saturday, to be honest.
2: Yeah, we touched on this a little bit before we started recording about yeah. trying to bring him back, uh, Aguero, a little bit earlier than he's ready. An excellent point that 80% of Aguero is pretty much better than any striker at 100% in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's interesting because Tottenham used to have a big issue with that. We had Aaron Lennon, who had a hamstring injury for years. Uh, Sandro was becoming one of the best defensive midfielders in all of England, got hurt in a Manchester United match, never played well for us again, went to QPR, yeah. hasn't made much noise there. Uh, happened with Moussa Dembele, who has been absent for about two years and is now finally coming back. Uh, and, and I think this all kind of is interesting in the context of Klopp's quote this week, if you don't mind me segueing uh, brilliantly, Zach, uh, <laughs> in, in mentioning Sturridge's uh, injury hit, uh, history and whether or not He's able to discern the difference between phantom pains and genuine pain. Uh, before we jump into your part, on my side, if you've played sports before and had a genuine injury, you know what he was trying to say. A lot of people jumped on this and were like, oh, he's saying Sturridge is weak or soft, which just isn't the case. I, I hurt my shoulder a few years back, and every time anybody was encroaching on that shoulder, you, like, duck your shoulder a little bit to try to protect it. It's very much a thing, and the fact that everybody freaked out and were like, oh, Sturge doesn't know real pain. I think was the wrong way to go with it. That's my rant over. What did you make of it, Zach?
1: Um, I didn't find the clock quotes too inflammatory, to be honest. Um, I thought he was sort of just giving Sturridge a little nudge because there are, at times, there have been a, a certain stories where you think Sturridge could have played, you, you know, and as as uh, we were just saying then, Aguero 80%, well, Sturridge 80% is also a very good player. Um, I think... For example, when we played Bordeaux in midweek, um, was it a week ago today? I think I think it was a week ago today. Um, that he pulled out that game literally at the last minute because he hurt his foot, and that's one of them that you sort of like go, mm, really? And then he's in the squad on Sunday and starts um, in the league cup tie last night against Southampton. So you have to question whether that slight foot injury was actually, you know, as Klopp was saying, real pain or if it was just, you know, something that he could easily have played through and not cause himself any long-term harm. Because obviously you don't want to cause long-term harm to the player because that's completely pointless. But if if you can get, I'm not talking injections here, if you can just get through, you know, like if you've been stood on the foot, you know, everyone, it hurts, obviously, but it, it goes in a day. So if, if you can play through something like that, then I think that's sort of what Klopp was questioning. I don't think he was trying to call Sturridge out. And, and Klopp also came out and, gave out some um you know some follow up comments and said like that's not really what he meant. He sort of, you know he sort of got lost in his limited um understanding of the English language and he you know, he sort of explained his way around it. So maybe he's telling the truth, maybe he's not but I don't think it was as bad as people were kicking off. I, I stayed well out of it on Twitter. Didn't really want much to do with that debate. mm <laughs>
2: Fair enough, and, and uh, aside from that huge controversy that shouldn't have been one at all, <laughs> what's been happening over at Liverpool?
1: Um, good things, to be honest. Um, we've we've had some good wins of late. Uh, obviously, we, we beat City 4-1 um, a week and a half ago, and that was one of the best performances I've seen from the Liverpool team in a long time. Um, didn't need to dominate the ball, and didn't capitulate when Aguero scored that stunning goal from outside the box, which is something that Brendan Rodgers' team were famed for. If they conceded one, they conceded two. And often if they conceded two, they conceded three. So it was good to see that the team sort of just got back into the rhythm of things and uh, managed to see the game out, get three points. Um, then followed that up with a, with a win... Against Bordeaux in the Europa League, um, obviously that was that was um, a very important game for us to try and stay in contention for topping the group. We've now qualified for the next round of the Europa League, which is obviously a positive, despite the fact um, obviously some people don't see it as the competition that it used to be, blah blah. But it's good to see that Klopp's taking it seriously. You know, on all four fronts, it's really refreshing to see that he doesn't use it as an excuse like Rodgers did. You know, the lack of training, he does reference it in, in his in his uh, press conferences, but he's he's happy with how it's going and. It, I think the time used in between matches is being used on tactics, which is meaning that the guys are still quite fresh. You know, come the game, they've not been smashing it in training with like, you know, two or three games a day, just just in, in private. So it's good to see. Um, following that up, we we beat Swansea one 0 which was a very tight affair, which you know, which was really good to see again, simply because we managed to grind out the result, something that we we've not really been able to do traditionally. Yeah. That's a game that we'd have lost 1-0 or drawn one um, You know, dominating the game, but not able to take chances or not able to penetrate the opposite team enough. Um, and it was good to see Sturridge and Henderson come on in the same game. Uh, obviously, we've been without Henderson since the 1-0 win over Bournemouth at Anfield in August. Now, that's a long time to be without your captain and one of your best players. Likewise, Sturridge, he's not played much football at all since um, the Villa game, uh, which we won 3-2. So, that was like a... As long as we won that game, those two coming back from injury was going to be a really big positive for us, and it proved to be so. Um, with the with the next performance against Southampton, which was um, obviously last night, absolutely yeah. fantastic uh, game for us. Didn't not didn't so much dominate the ball in possession terms, but. Counter-attacking was lightning. The precision with the shooting was absolutely excellent, and the and the ruthless nature of the performance was, was something that we've been really missing um, in years since uh, since uh, thirteen fourteen. So, it was great to see people like Origi, um getting some headlines. He's he's not really adapted so far. Um, he scored a couple in pre season, but to get three in one night against a good Southampton team, we have to remember they played pretty much a full team, whereas we played a sort of fifty fifty team. And, um, yeah, I uh, got his second of the season. That was great to see. And uh, Moreno, another two assists, although he could have been a bit more switched on for the goal. So, you know, in all in all, it, things are looking really positive at Liverpool. Definitely the most positive they've looked seen since um, at the end of uh, 2014 when, when then we lost Suarez. And, obviously, it was never the same again. So, I'm glad to see things looking up and when 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 like this, the fifth or sixth goal and I actually just put my arms up in the air and went oh my god I love football again!" <laughs> yeah, like I was just like so happy like I've been so depressed with it of late and since Klopp has come in he's like I actually read the news again like I want to read press conferences I want to watch highlights so it's just it's just really good like I needed that back in my life I was really struggling mm. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you mentioned uh, Origi there. Also, uh, I've looked much better uh, yesterday. Uh, are, are you thinking that he is going? That well, he. Uh, do you think that Klopp is what's really turned them around? Do you think this was just kind of their natural progression, reaching form? Because we had players like Ryan Mason and Danny Rose, who I don't think many people thought had much of a future long term at Tottenham. Then we have Poch come in, helps develop them. Well, Klopp obviously only been there a short time, but both have looked better under his his guiding. Yeah. Point.
1: I don't think um, in such a short space of time, you know, he's not going to have made them an overall more rounded player. I think it's just there's there's a few factors at play that are making ninety percent of the squad perform better, and that's including people like Allen and Lovren. One of the factors is that yeah, as soon Allen as looked Klopp, great yesterday. Yeah, he did. Like, and I was really surprised because he's looked a bit rusty at times because so he's not playing week in week out, but. It was good to see, and one of the main factors, that, to me, it seems, that when Klopp came in, and this is basically his philosophy, if we're going, if every manager has got one, he, he says to the players, "Follow my tactics. If we lose, it's my fault. So there's no pressure on the players mm. as such, and it sort of gives confidence. Like, how many players have spoken since Klopp came in that their confidence has been restored, and that they don't want to slag." Brendan Rodgers off and like insult him because <laughs> some of them you know, don't. <laughs> well, some of yeah, most of them don't. But um, they, they say all they say is that they've had the confidence restored and that's such a good feeling. Like it must just be a complete weight off the shoulders that they can actually go out and express themselves mm. and play football in a in a fun manner again. Like everyone's smiling and it's just good to see. Like you know, I looked completely devoid of confidence after being ditched out at right wing back um under Rodgers and Origi obviously he he had game time but this team was creating one chance a game if that so it's hard for a young kid especially with all the injuries and that's another thing all the injuries are starting to come back Uh, Henderson's back Sturridge's back Benteke's back um Coutinho isn't a long-term absence but we're winning without him Firmino's fit Flanagan will be back in December which will provide cover on both sides and we, we, we're, we're resting players whilst winning as well. Uh, yeah, Sorry to rumble on, but obviously Klein didn't play last night. Um, Moreno was given a 15-minute rest. Coutinho didn't play. Firmino didn't play. Benteke didn't play. Henderson only played 20 minutes. I um, only played 20 minutes, I think. Or mm. did he start? I can't remember. I think he was. So. But, um, yeah, you know, people, people aren't having to be pushed to the limits like under Rodgers, like Rodgers would have played Sturridge for 90 minutes last night and he would have played Coutinho if he was 75% fit. Klopp has the, has, has the confidence that Conor Randall will do a job at right back and Brad Smith will get an assist off the bench at left back. So it's just great to see confidence in the squad and it's reaping many dividends on many fronts.
2: Mm. Yeah, well, uh, for Tottenham, I'm going to start off, I think the Capital One Cup is just a waste of a competition because we're not in it anymore. Isn't that how that works? Um, (laughs) Everybody that's in it always wants to stay in it and everybody that's out is like, good, we didn't want to be there anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, I do think it's a meaningful competition, and it is silly how many people discredit it just because of their own team's lack of ambition or success in it. Uh, yeah. But uh, to the other side, I, I kind of agree with Zach right now. I am kind of falling back in love in football, uh, with football, and I think uh, part of that is, yes, that FIFA came out today and said that they're probably going to impose term limits on people on the executive committee, which is something we called on this very podcast a few weeks ago. So. Big ups to FIFA for being big enough to admit that our idea was the best idea. Um, but also, uh, I love almost every Tottenham player right now. Uh, and it's kind of what, Zach, you were just talking about, like being really excited about it again. You just go through the squad, and I like all of them. I mentioned Mason and Rose, neither of whom were really meant to be that good, both of them being excellent. Mason, unfortunately, picking up an injury there. But I was talking to Safeway, the the producer of the show earlier today, and it was about the injury report. That we heard that Nasser Chadli, Ryan Mason, Nabil Bentaleb are all out this week and probably for a couple of weeks. And I asked them, "What would you think if you had heard that news last year?" He's like, "Oh, we're probably going to lose. We're probably going to lose this week." But this year, that doesn't impact our starting eleven in any way, which is crazy. Now we have Dyer and Della Ali in the midfield. We have Moussa Dembélé finally returning to form and playing excellently. Uh, We have Harry Kane scoring buckets of goals, which is great again. Fun stat on Harry Kane that even I didn't know. Uh, He has played in every Premier League match since his debut last November. And as we're talking about the injuries to likes of Sturridge and Aguero, I think that's a very underrated part of his game. Um, if, yeah, if it definitely. can be attributed as such. Uh, but yeah, so very pleased with that. Love what we're doing in defense. Love Toby and Jan as both people, and, as creepy as that sounds, uh, in center backs. Uh, they're, they're always joking around and everything. Hyungman's son uh, is not back to where he was before his injury. Uh, but is kind of that catalyst that we need. I think the interesting reason why Ericsson and Chadley worked so well last year is that Erickson, as we've mentioned before, doesn't really take control of games the way that you would want a player of his abilities to. Uh, He very much rides with the flow of the game, but Nasser-Chadley can create from nothing. And I think that's why that duo worked better than Ericsson and LaMela have in the past. Um, but without Chadley, now we just have Youngman min Son up there who offers a lot more of a direct threat, uh, with, uh, pace and creativity, whereas Chadley is more physicality and can muscle people <coughs> off the ball and just finish absurd chances from anywhere with tremendous pace and curl to it. Um, but yeah, I just love everything that's going on from a squad standpoint. Uh, there was a fan forum this week where we've learned some things, uh, from inside the club, such as <clears throat> Levy admitted that uh, the first choice, uh, Pochettino midfielder, who was not named, but I'll give you a hint, it was Morgan Schneiderlin. Um, <laughs> once we were unable to get him, Levy brought a list that was compiled by our uh, director of scouting, Paul Mitchell. And it was a list of five names, which we all know. Paul Mitchell, that's what he does. His little black book, five names at every position. Not just like striker, winger, but at each specific position and for different roles. And so he went to him with this list and Pochettino said, get my number one guy or don't get me anyone at all, which sounds really aggressive. But when you think about the fact that last year we had the likes of Kapo, Stambouli, and Paulinho combined with every midfielder we have right now but Ali, I very much can understand why he didn't want to just bring someone in. He had seen that fail from the AVB tenure. He didn't want any part of it. So he literally said to Levy, and Levy's the one that said this. Don't buy me a midfielder if it's not my first choice. I can turn Dyer into one. That's incredible. Uh, Dyer did play in the midfield a little bit when he was uh, training at Portugal. But we all thought that we left this late. We heard rumors about Sven Bender and all kinds of people in that ilk. But this means that as soon as we missed out on Schneiderlin, which was like mid-June, that we already knew Dyer was going to be in the midfield. I got to see uh, Tottenham this summer in Denver. (laughs) <laughs> and Dyer was playing in the midfield and we were all surprised then. But uh, to find out that this was actually somewhat of a plan I think took many by surprise. Uh, tagging on to that, Levy did say that Pochettino has final say on all transfers, which is evidenced by two of our better players right now, Eric Lamela and Musa Dembele, who were both close to moving in the summer. And we had Pochettino go out on a limb, say that he wanted to keep both of them, and both of them have returned that... Uh, I don't want to say favor... Uh, but have returned that faith uh, tenfold by both picking up their form incredibly. LaMela's been in and out a little bit with injuries, but (laughs) LaMela created more chances for us last week than anyone else on the pitch, and he was only on it for 25 minutes. Um, So he is starting to find that form. I think his brain-slash-feet combination, which I've always thought has been the problem, is is starting to develop a little bit more, where a lot of times he would think faster than his body would work. (laughs) As accusatory as that sounds. Uh, But I think that's very interesting that both were on their way out. And we knew about the LaMela one, but we didn't know about the Dembele one, where they had deals set. And then they took them to Pochettino and he said no. And I think there have been so many times where Levy has interfered in squad construction, where it's not worked out at all. The largest one probably being bringing in Baldini and the quote-unquote Magnificent Seven. And I've seen some Tottenham fans say, people shouldn't make fun of us for that. But you should. All other fans, we literally called Vlad Kirakesh, Netian and Capu, and Roberto Soldado, Erickson Chadley, and LaMela have all worked out as the Magnificent Seven. Oh, just shocking days, really. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, Poch wants no part of that. He has final say, which is great to hear from our perspective, especially considering we brought Paul Mitchell from Southampton to be our scouting department head. So those two interact in that way. Uh, fans very disgruntled because, uh, fans asked if tickets were likely to, uh, raise in price in the new stadium, and apparently Levy kind of ducked that with a whole lot of politispeak, uh, so it's likely that those will continue to rise, uh, even with the new TV deal coming along. The stadium plans have been submitted again, uh, and we should hear about approval, which we're expecting on December 16th, um, and are still pursuing Wembley during that period, uh, apparently the FA reached out to West Ham to ask them if we could, uh, also use the Olympic stadium, uh, and, uh, a fan asked, uh, Daniel Levy what he thought of that. And he said, do you really think Karen Brady would let us, <laughs> which I think is a very, uh, concise but accurate rebuttal. Um, and it will not be called White Hart Lane, the new stadium. So those are all kind of the updates from that. Uh, But yeah, no match for us this week because the Capital One Cup isn't even a real competition. It's not even football, really. Uh, But yeah, other than that, just looking forward to the weekend. We have a pretty, um, (laughs) this is the worst thing to say, easy quote-unquote run uh, for the near future. We got out of November with no losses, which I think a lot of us were worried about with Chelsea, Arsenal, and West Ham facing all of those London rivals in one month. Came away with five points. One of those who like, well, maybe you would have hoped for six. You, you would have taken two wins and a loss more than a win and two draws. I think it's Mourinho that went on his whole rant about how he'd rather lose than draw matches because you pick up more when you win. I'm not a mathematician. I just listen to what the dude says. Um, but yeah, all in all, very pleased with what's going on at the club. West Brom at the weekend, their defense is not as imposing as it has been in years past. Uh, yes, they are still up there in clean sheets, but as Zach mentioned before, once they concede one, they pretty much concede two. Uh, dating back for about the last three months. Every time they've conceded, they've conceded one plus. So, yeah, not uh, too quote-unquote worried, but I'm sure we'll hear from Baggy Facts on Sunday after they win somehow telling me how dumb I was. As both of you, I'm sure, are aware, and many people that ever read sports articles, uh, according to the media, all three of us are title contenders right now. Um, Do you actually agree with that? And uh, if not, uh, who do you think will be kind of up there come the end of the year?
0: Um, For me, I think um, I would certainly... Have to agree that, that that City are in there. Um, I think your question is probably more aimed at um, do we agree Liverpool and Spurs? Are? I don't know that's what you are talking about. <laughs> yeah, as they obviously the um, the perceived outsiders. Um, I think I wouldn't put either down, either Liverpool or Spurs, down for winning the league. Um, and obviously, I will bow to both of your superior judgments on this because you see your teams more than I do. Um, I think it would be foolish for any rival fan or any pundit um to discount either of them. And my part of my reason for that is um and Zach, you may you may disagree or wish to correct me. Um I think Liverpool was sort of in that situation in the two thousand and thirteen, fourteen season when it was um City and Liverpool ended up going head to head. Liverpool didn't have um the final wasn't, wasn't that
2: the year when Arsenal were like first on New Year's? Yeah, yeah, and they just, were. Yeah. They, 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 Even at the end of the season, they had been first most of the season. But well, Liverpool like, they, at this stage,
1: Liverpool was seven points behind, just mm-hmm. like, like similar to they are now. So it's, yeah, and was I mean, certain parallels.
0: I recall you, um, you'd lost at home to Southampton that year, which was a far less fashionable thing to do than it is now. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, for teams that are four, five, six points off the top at, at this point and actually in decent form. Um, I think it's a sustaining contention. I think the Premier League in that respect is more open than it used to be. We don't... In, in the years that we win it, you'd, we don't have a, a runaway leader. Chelsea United over the last four years have been the exception to that. They've sort of won it in an absolute canter. Uh, but there has been some really close races where teams do stay grouped together until sort of April and May. Um, And so if Tottenham and Liverpool can stay just in that zone, I mean, Tottenham just aren't losing games. They've drawn quite a few, Mm. but one defeat, and that being on the opening day against United, who I've got to tell
2: you. Kyle Walker.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've got to tell you, I think if if Tottenham came up against United today, I'd back Spurs for that every time. Um and so both teams are improving into the season. I think from from my point of view as an outsider, I would say the the difference between the two um and where I would take Liverpool's chances slightly less seriously um is that you can't discount the new manager bounce with Liverpool. It's another one of those things, it's a massive cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. Um I think it's been proven that new manager bounce is a thing. Players do react to it, it does generally. Um, it spur an improvement in performance and clearly with Jurgen Klopp you'd th- you think there's something a little bit uh, deeper than that going on as well because the guy's a very, very good manager um, but I think with Tottenham it's very much pochettino's team and it's very much playing um as he wants them to now or at least that's how i see it um and it's it's built on really solid foundations i'm not quite sure that that's there at liverpool yet and i'll take them a little more seriously once klopp's been able to uh, work his magic in the the transfer window and see what he can pull in there but um certainly from from my point of view um, as a supporter of the favourites, I I wouldn't discount Liverpool or Tottenham. And I do find myself uh, looking looking over my shoulder at both of those teams. I think it's, it's really tight. And the good thing for us is having more teams, whilst I'd love to be 10 points clear, having two teams um, enter the race that weren't necessarily expected to be part of it. Um, and it's a similar thing with what Leicester could potentially do. You can see that they're going to take points off our rivals. And that includes taking points off us because, um, as I and Zach have already mentioned, um, Zach more gleefully than myself, hmm. Liverpool absolutely tore us apart a couple hmm. of weeks ago. Um,
2: yeah, Zach will that's tell that's you that- actually a really interesting point because Tottenham did as well. So if it yes. ended up ending up, which I don't think it will, as we'll get to when it's my turn to blabber on. Um, it- <laughs> but if it ends up being these three teams at the end, it's kind of because of your own fault fa- failings.
0: Well, yeah, I would I would partly agree with that. I mean, I always um, maybe I'm too gracious, but I always think you have to give respect to the teams that, that beat you as well. Um, Liverpool were very very good at the Etihad. Um, obviously, from from a City point of view, we were dreadful. The first eleven. But it's the first time I can recall in our um, in the era that we're currently living through, where we're um, a successful team and a moneyed team. Um, it's the first time I can recall really thinking we were beaten before the game because the team selection was so bad but that is to take nothing away from Liverpool because they were they exploited it phenomenally well um and Tottenham I mean Tottenham very much deserved their victory against us both of them 4-1 um interestingly they're the only two games that Martin Demichelis have started this season so maybe (laughs) he's the common denominator (laughs) which I like to think not because I like him a lot but um yeah,
2: I, I think his form has dipped ever since he got rid of his uh top knot, which was interesting because he got rid of it right as it came on vogue.
0: Yes, you're absolutely right. Um it hasn't been it hasn't gone unnoticed amongst City fans <laughs> it was, um his ponytail was a large part of us winning the league, definitely. But um the given that Tottenham have taken points from um from Arsenal, from Chelsea, and granted the Chelsea one is less impressive because of Chelsea's form and Tottenham were at home and may have expected to be more on the front foot and have got three points in that game. Um, you can still see where they're going to take points from our rivals. The flip side is they can. these are the teams that can do it to us as well. But from my point of view, I like knowing that there's, it's almost a safety net for us. It's like a, like an insurance that, OK, We've dropped points where we didn't expect to, but you put that in context now, a few weeks later, mm. and it's not quite as bad as it looked at the time. Uh, four, we don't get 4 four ones a, a bad defeat for any team that harbours title ambitions. If it's happened twice in a season is really not good. But um, when you set it in context of form and performance of those two teams now, it's slightly uh, less embarrassing than I first thought it was. So I, I don't discount them. I don't think either will win the league, but um, if you're there at this point in the season you can you can't say that you're not challengers and you've got to be taken seriously
1: yeah i, I pretty much uh, agree with what he said there um obviously man city are, are definitely the favorites um they were after literally the first game i changed my mind from chelsea to City because yeah. chelsea just looked horrendous literally from minute 1 so they are 100% the favorites um i think what he says is true. that um, You can't really discount Liverpool and Tottenham, especially beans, as you know. These sort of things do happen, where maybe like a an unfancy team can, you know, force the way from fifth, sixth to to do something. Namely, most recently, obviously, it was uh, Liverpool in twenty fourteen on the ten game winning run, which almost uh, managed to steal the uh, title of City. Um, <laughs> one of um one of the things that is good about and there's a good thing to look forward to with Liverpool is that this is not even Jurgen Klopp's team. When yeah. what what Liverpool are working wonders at the moment away from home. Granted, the home form has to be fixed, otherwise we we we're going to struggle to get top four because you know we've struggled every single every single time we've won at home this season. We've struggled. Bournemouth one 0 Bournemouth one nil again. Swansea one 0 Aston Villa three two, and we looked very shaky in that game. So it's we, we are very 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 weird at home. Like you would not expect our away form to be this much better than our home form. But one of the what I was going to say is about, about this being Klopp's team. He's improved. He's already improved every single player with with the system he's implemented and the training that he's putting in on the tactics board. Not so much on the training field because as I said before, they're not really doing much ball work in in training simply because the fatigue would set in too much with, with four competitions to hit. So the tactics that are obviously working on the tactics board, and if he was to get, uh, let's just say Liverpool sign, can sign two players this January. Um, I don't obviously I don't know what fees, don't know what positions, but two two players that Klopp really likes and he really believes in, and obviously they will feel that he believes in them. Liverpool would go onto onto perhaps another level, and if let's say Liverpool are within I don't know three four points of. City who we will assume is gonna be top at Christmas, then who's to say who's to say like Liverpool can't do it? Same with Tottenham. you you don't go on thirteen I don't I think it's thirteen games, thirteen game unbeaten runs without being a very decent team in this league. Like I know the standard of the Premier League is questioned at times, but it takes a lot of like it takes a lot of quality to not have a single little blip, you know, like an off day or Or just you know one person to slip and make a mistake, <coughs> Stevie. So you know it's um it's it, it's just great. It's great that Tottenham are showing this characteristic because it's something that we we ourselves showed in our in our title running. So you definitely can't discount either team, you know. And United are the same. United are playing some god awful boring football, but mm. they're still there and they just don't lose yeah, games. One like, point back. I, yeah, they they just find a way to win games, and it's just it's just it's it's very it's odd because when you look at the team like with Rooney up front they don't look like they have a match winner you just think like how is this team winning games but obviously it's just some of the parts not just the individuals and Van Gaal is very much a team guy so yeah I don't think you can discard anyone the only team that I would I don't want to sound harsh but you know Leicester I know the top of the league and I know they've got an informed striker but they, they can see. T- they surely can see too many goals t- to um, to stay there. I know Liverpool conceded 600 goals in one season <laughs> and finished second, but but Leicester, I, th- I think they're closing in on 30 goals conceded,
2: mm.
1: and that's a lot for this stage of the season. I mean, teams don't win the league if they concede more than 40 goals. It just doesn't happen. We were almost the the you know the exception to the rule, book. Obviously, it wasn't to be because we let too many points, silly points, go. You know, one-one with West Brom. You look at two-two with Swansea earlier in the season. one 0 against Southampton. Like, obviously, they were they were early on in the season, but you still look back at that and think, "Wow, what if we'd have actually just defended that corner properly? What if Cole Sorre hadn't back it to Anachibi? Mm. Just those. That that's that. You just have a feeling that that's what Leicester might look back on and say. Oh, maybe we could have finished fifth and got Europa League if if we hadn't conceded all those goals at the stars. Just little things like that. So for me, obviously Chelsea uh sorry, City, not Chelsea, Chelsea are garbage, City are <laughs> favourites. Um and Sodom and Liverpool are in there along with United. And one team we haven't spoken about is Arsenal and I feel and obviously I feel we should talk about them because they're obviously a good team. Mm. It's just I think Arsene, I think it this could be an interesting point to add on to the Sturridge and Aguero thing like he seems to what it's push November players. and
2: now there are Arsenal injuries again yeah it's every just year. Got,
1: he pushes he pu- he, so there must be something wrong like he pushes the players too hard and Sanchez getting injured um, seems to be because he played too early and he wasn't given that recovery time that we know, th- these, you know these high highly strong players need especially so.
2: having played through the summer
1: yeah exactly that's the thing he never even when he came back he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't ready he just wanted yeah. to play he's like Suarez he, he he'd play in the park if he if, if Venga wouldn't pick him so yeah I remember it, when we had hard.
2: I remember when we had Paulinho. there was a stat the last because we signed him in 2012 2013 2013 uh, and when we signed him he hadn't had uh more than a month off of playing since 2010. I don't know yeah. what the stat is, but I'd got to imagine it's something like that with Sanchez with the World Cup and then the uh, Copa America last year. It's it's got to be two plus, I think.
1: Yeah, he's he's. Um, that's why he left out. Oh, he and left you out the had that at City summer. as well
2: with Silva, right? Didn't
1: he also yeah, have like a crazy run? Like he played there? in the Co- Confederations yeah. Cup as well. So. Yeah,
2: yeah. I so,
0: mean, yeah. the interesting thing as well. So you mentioned like November and Arsenal are ravaged by injuries as usual. Um, and it sort of hints at something that the club are doing wrong because that's a consistent thing. I mean, and, cities and changed their room, whole
2: medical staff this summer. At least that's well, what I, I'm under the impression of.
0: Yeah, I mean, cities. I don't think we've been picked up on as much in in the wider media. But our and this isn't an excuse making thing. I actually, it, it's something that concerns me more than uh, wishing to use it as an excuse. But our um, our injury record so far this season is unbelievable to the point I've genuinely I've never known anything like it and I don't think it's been given the coverage that or the scrutiny that it really should get um I think um the the telegraph did a report on it this week it could have even been today actually um we've had 35 separate injuries this season 22 of them soft tissue injuries Hmm. and I mean I'm no I I sort of don't want to go into that too much because I'm not a, a trained physio so I could end up saying something that's complete nonsense but if you're having 22 soft tissue injuries that to me says there's something wrong somewhere that the that the club are doing there's something wrong in the fitness if you get an impact injury if someone breaks the leg or an ankle going in for a tackle then that's unlucky if you've got a player uh like company who's got a he's clearly got something wrong with his calf because he's out every we're lucky if we get two months out of him before he's missing a string of games then okay you can put that on the player i couldn't sit here now and name you three players that up to three players that haven't missed games through injury this season. Mm-hmm. And so it's alarming. Um, and it's worth, I thought it was worth throwing in whilst we're talking about teams with injury problems. Yeah. It, it's yeah, I'd not... say that.
2: Yeah, I haven't really heard much about City injuries, but now that you mention it, he yeah, missed out, Sanya missed out a little bit, no came in, and then you obviously had Silva and Aguero out for a long time. Navas has been in and out. Oh, yeah, and Clichy and uh, uh, oh my gosh, can't believe I can't remember his name right now. Zabaleta have both been out.
0: Yeah, Zabaleta came back and um, now he's uh, out again. <laughs> he played about two games, yeah, and, and was straight out again with the same injury, which is always something that worries me because that hints at somebody being rushed back. Um, the Clichy is only just uh, the last couple of weeks. The Juventus game was his first game since April, um, and so it it is slightly alarming, particularly when we've got positions where we are um and I hate certain areas, boo-hoo, poor little city fan with the massive squad depth, but when we are actually quite weak in certain areas, we as we've already touched on, we don't have a, a you know, a massive wealth of strikers. We have a great striker and a decent backup. And then after that it's you're either putting Sterling up front or playing without a striker and uh using De Bruyne in the sort of so called false nine position mm. or um, playing Ian atro who Pellegrini doesn't trust as a striker, so when you haven't got that that wealth of options, but you do, but but the players that are there are injury prone, um, that opens up a whole world of problems, and it's hard to see City addressing it in January. I realise I'm diverting quite a lot here, but it's hard to see us addressing that in January because we generally don't make a splash in January. Uh, yeah, generally don't make a splash in January. The last time I did that was Bonnie, and it's mm. taken him a while to adapt. And the time that we did that before was Dzeko, and it took him six months to adapt. So it's hard to see City being tempted into the market, but that might actually be what's needed, because we can't rely on the players where we don't have the, the squad depth. Defence is another issue. We're, we're not the same team when company's out, but he's out a lot. So, like I say, I'm sure um, rival fans listening to this won't have a lot of sympathy with the City fan moaning about injuries, but it's, a, I mean, it is chronic. It
2: is weirdly unre- uh, unreported.
0: Yeah, I would shit, recommend you look into it. I mean, I I, I can tweet later. There's a, somebody's published a list today with every injury that we've had. Mm-hmm. If anybody's boring and nerdy enough to be interested in that, <laughs> I will tweet that out.
2: <laughs> I would venture to say that if there are such people in the world, they do listen to our show. Um, listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um... I think that those are all excellent points uh, Regarding January signings I did me- mean to mention this from the top uh, That Pochettino said it's very hard To improve our squad at this point in time And some people took that as a little bit Of conceit <laughs> Like oh well, maybe he's uh, you know, Thinks he's made all of our players so good There's not a way to get better But I do think that our starting 11 We don't want to change I think anybody that's played Ultimate Team knows We have a perfect chemistry rating There are better players out there But our chemistry is awesome right now. The players are all playing for each other. It's a great time. And the reason why we desperately need a second striker but seem a little hesitant to do so is it's hard to find a striker that's good enough to supplement Kane or replace him if he ever takes a break from his playing every single Premier League match since last November. That's fine with sitting behind Kane and realizing that that's going to be most weeks. Um, So I do think that's part of our issue. You were mentioning depth there a little bit. I think that's really our biggest weakness, is who plays. If Kane's not there, we've deputized Son up there. Similar to what you're doing with uh, Nacho, however you say that, Um, with uh, Clinton and G, uh, who has played both on the wing and forward uh, when he was over at Lyon. Um, Still not sure how we're going to use him. Also, this is an aside on people overreacting to stuff. When we signed him from Lyon, everybody, every scouting report, every agent, every uh, journalist in France, everybody said that we probably overpaid a little bit, that he's a very raw talent, but a very big talent. Not big in stature, he's a tiny little man. But, um, then he came on, uh, what match did he come on in? Ah, man, I'm usually much better at this, but he came on in a match pretty early on, I think it was Chadley that picked up a knock, uh, and... His first few touches were awful, and then, uh, oh, it was the Liverpool match, where he cut in from the left and had that awesome ball that Mignolet saved. Yeah, yeah. it was a
1: great save.
2: Yeah, it was. I was from the right, sorry. Uh, but, but yeah, so it was the Liverpool match, and then that was the good thing he did, but he was also misplacing balls all the time, and everyone was like, oh, he's garbage. Like, Or he's just raw, which we heard about like two months ago, and everybody forgot, and they were just like, oh, he's awful, how can we ever use him? Anyway, <laughs> just kind of got sidetracked there. Um, <laughs> in regards to who has title aspirations, which I'm sure we talked about something like 10 minutes ago. Um, I think that, and I'm probably going to lose my Tottenham membership card for this, uh, but we and Liverpool are very much in that gray area of what counts as title contention that Arsenal live in all the time. Of Are they title contenders? Could they win it? Do they have the talent to win it? Yes. But much as uh, you mentioned there, Richard, will they? No. I don't think either Tottenham or Liverpool will win the title this year. I think top four is definitely a goal for both now. I started this season saying I was kind of going to be patient, especially with the likes of Della Ali coming into the side. We still have Bentaleb, who's supposed to come back and be our best midfielder (laughs) in Tottenham history. Who knows how that's going to work out with three people ahead of him now uh, on the team sheet. But I thought all these young players needed another year to develop. Do I think that we've performed so well thus far, as everyone's mentioned, just the one loss so far this season, that now top four should be the goal? Yes. But that doesn't mean that I think we will get there. Uh, I think there are a lot of teams in and about. While I respect Zach's opinions and his ability to Sherpa and Destiny, um, I'm not so sure Lester have a great chance to stay where they are now. Um, they have, <laughs> their next seven are Swansea, Chelsea, Everton, Liverpool, City, Bournemouth, Tottenham. Chelsea aren't the team they used to be, Swansea struggling, Bournemouth might be able to field 11 healthy players at a given point, not so sure. But that is an incredibly difficult run, where you're looking at that and you're saying, if they get like 7 to 11 points from that run, you look at that as a club of lesser size and say that's a success. I look forward to hearing Jim Knight's response on how I'm being an idiot and hating small clubs. Um, (laughs) Well, we do love us some Jim Knight over here, but I I don't think Leicester will be able to keep it up. I think Leicester are exactly the same as West Ham were last year. Uh, Obviously more impressive, West Ham didn't have Jamie Vardy, who apparently is the best striker in the world right now. Um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The problem with that is it sounded too sarcastic for it to either be untrue or actually true. (laughs) (laughs) Um... He's very good, I guess, now. Okay, uh, I'm just going to move on. Um, but yeah, I think Tottenham can be in that top four chase. But I think that Pochettino's comments are very telling on where we're viewing this season. Because if we were seriously, genuinely looking to win the title, we would look at someone like Sofiane Fagouli, who's already besties with Ben Taleb, only a year left on his contract. Bring him in, supplement the Wings. But I think we're more interested in seeing how LaMela develops, how Sun develops, how Chadley develops, how even NG envelop, uh, develops. <laughs> Not envelopes. Um and, and I think that that's where we are. We're in a building phase. We know the stadium costs are coming up. So we aren't going to be able to go out and buy those players and keep up their wages. I think the goal is is to grow from within, and we've done an excellent job of that under Pochettino. Everybody knows the stats on how many people Pochettino sends to the England squad. Um, So yeah, I'm very pleased with where we are, but I think if we were quote-unquote title challengers in the true sense of the word, where you think they could genuinely win the title, not just be in and around there until March-ish, cough, arsenal, um, (laughs) that we would be more interested in bringing in an elite level person. Are there better right backs than Kyle Walker? Undoubtedly. Are there better midfielders than Moussa Dembélé even though he's improved? Absolutely. We could still use a passer in the midfield which we don't have short of Erickson. There are many ways to improve this squad, but we don't seem interested in bringing in a star player and disrupting the development of the players we already have, which I respect. I don't think that this is the kind of thing where we should sell short our future for a year of maybe actually challenging for the title. I think making top four or winning the Europa League, which I would also take, although we played much better in the Premier League than the Europa League, uh, I think that that should be the goal. I think we need to look past the stadium building, and I know there are a lot of people that say you win it when you can. For anybody that listens to this that likes baseball, the Nationals had a year ago, a few years ago, when Steven Strasburg came through, and he was incredible. He was on a pitch count because he had had an arm injury. And they rested him and figured they'd just be in the playoffs for the next five to ten years, so they'd chase the title then. And they fell short. He got re-injured, not as good anymore. I understand that that happens in sports, but these are this is an eleven team or eleven man starting eleven, a twenty five man squad where I trust all of them except for Federico Fazio, who's probably about to move out anyway. So I'm much more interested in what Tim Sherwood mocked of the project. The project is you win games or you get sacked. <laughs> we all appreciate, A, that impression, and B, his delayedness. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's more important that we continue to build. And that's why I don't think we're in that title-challenging mode, because the club don't seem to be acting like we are. And uh, I think that it would do Tottenham fans a disservice to expect that and then fall short and then be upset again, casting Levy-outs everywhere and Potch's outs here and there. Uh, so that's why I think we're going to fall short. I do agree. Uh, I think Liverpool are probably a year away. But I do think that this is more than just the new manager bump. Because it's Jurgen Klopp. Uh, You get new manager bumps with people like Steve Bruce and Tony Pulis. Like, this is a top 10 manager in football. I'm not going to (laughs) go higher than that because I'll offend people. I'm not going to go lower than that because I'll offend people. Probably in that range. Uh, And he is a a significant upgrade from Rodgers. I don't think many people would disagree with that. Uh, and so I do think that they will continue to improve. I don't think this is just a one-off, but I also see where you're coming from, Richard, in that I don't think that they will end up winning the title. I don't think that a team short of uh, Man City and Arsenal have a player capable of winning the title for a team. I think Sanchez has obviously struggled with injury. Ozil is losing his mind right now. With the injuries and stuff, and being a Tottenham fan, I can't possibly say that they have a chance. But if you're talking about the kind of run that Zach mentioned that Liverpool went on, you need that player. You had Suarez, and everyone's like, yeah, oh, well, Sturridge was there too. Sturridge was Sturridge that year because of Suarez. Make no mistake about it. He is a very talented player, Often injured. He wasn't that year, but those two found magic together. Um, and I don't see another team short of City or Arsenal that have that player uh, only because I don't think Chelsea are in the race anymore. Obviously, if Hazard decided to show up, he, yeah, he's another one.
0: Can I understand that? I, yeah. I, I sort of um, I agree with the the vast majority of everything that you've said, um, and it bothers me that after all that um, excellent and detailed football chat, the only thing that I'm going to take away from it is the Tim Sherwood impression. <laughs> other other than that, um, I sort of disagree um and you didn't mention them directly but i would disagree with the point that uh manchester united don't have a player um who can win them the league and by the fact that you omitted them from um <laughs> from what you were saying suggests that you don't believe they do um i think they don't use their players in the way that will allow an individual to win them the league because van gaal is so much about the team um so for me anthony marshall is a tremendously talented young footballer um and i'm not saying that like he's some kind of um like lionel messi type <laughs> yeah well yeah although i understand that comparison cuz he just finish a ball you know he finishes a goal like him but i think they have got the quality of player there um that could be decisive in a title campaign but i it seems to me again somewhat on the outside but it seems to me that van gaal he seems to strangle that, um, individual, individuality, if I've said that right, um, out of them. And I think that might be, that might be to their, well, I don't think it is to their detriment because they're, they're 1. there to be got at, yeah. um, so I mean I don't know I hope I'm not talking nonsense there I, I think <laughs> no, I, I think, think they do have some
1: and and you- I think I think another point about United is that Martial is obviously a very talented player but if you're looking at a player that might win United the title you you don't you look any further than David de Gea <laughs> oh de, excellent David de, de Gea yeah.
2: and yeah. also what did Liverpool he win them might, last year There, there was like a have... stat it was like 14 points that he like oh yeah it was, won them? it was it was
1: ridiculous it was so high but and on on the uh, one player that can potentially put you on a run and win the league. The thing with Liverpool is we definitely don't have one of those. Obviously, our best player is very inconsistent. Sturridge and Coutinho, mm. hot and cold every now and then. The the person who could who could win Liverpool the league, if such a miraculous thing was to occur, is Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. We don't have a player. He <laughs> just doesn't. Don't have
2: to be on the pitch at the time. Yeah, yeah
1: he's not the he's not a player. But we we've 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 literally struck a gold mine. I literally mm. I wake up in the morning sometimes and I just think, what eh, what how how. If it you makes me feel any Liverpool? better.
2: I get to do that every day because the rumor was he was going to replace Wenger at Arsenal. So every day I wake up super excited that he's Liverpool's manager. Yeah, and so does
1: Piers Morgan if you follow him on Twitter. He's, um, he cries
2: a lot. I'm much smarter like than to follow Piers Morgan on Twitter. I don't follow him. He gets retweeted on Twitter. <laughs> I would say? don't bring but, uh, that hate into my life. He, he
1: cries. He cries a lot that he's not the Did Arsenal Did you see manager. that uh,
2: full kit picture that was floating around? No. Oh, it was him in the Arsenal dressing room, full kit. Uh, anyway, that's not a mental image that I should have shared with our listeners. But uh, <laughs> I can't get it out, of my head, man. I'm sorry. His legs. Never mind. I'm not gonna. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I do think you make an excellent point, Richard. I have been a little bit harsh on United, especially with the old adage. You know, I've no, I've
0: no problem with that. By the way, be as harsh as you want.
2: <laughs> yeah. No. 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 But uh, in so much as I don't think Tottenham have a great chance. But if you accept that old adage of goals score you games, clean sheets score you championships if you follow that adage then yes, Manchester United and Tottenham are very far up that list um, Tottenham concede the leaky goal every now and again because Kyle Walker exists um, he, <laughs> he is much improved this year but that mistake is still in him every match as I mentioned, he's the, the sole reason why West Ham got a goal back he's the reason we didn't pick up any points against Manchester United uh, he struggled in the Arsenal match at times other than that we're very solid dire in front of them incredibly strong defense uh finally resembling a team whose manager was a defender uh we were very confused as to why our defense was so shoddy last year uh so to your point um i do think united could be in there but maybe because of a different reason because of the defense if you are relying on a 19 year old to be the catalyst for you you're not going to win the title I really don't care how talented you are. <laughs> With us, we're relying too heavily on Della Ali, but we do have other options at that position. Martial is an incredible talent, as is Memphis Depay, who none of us have mentioned. Well, yes, but yes. but neither of them are doing it, and to expect those players to do it. When you have the likes of Wayne Rooney or Juan Mata or Ander Herrera, who for some reason people forget is a supremely talented footballer. Ander Herrera
0: is a phenomenal I footballer. love
2: Ander Herrera. As soon yeah, as I, they signed Schneiderlin and Schweinsteiger, I was like, dibs on Herrera, thanks. Nope, didn't in,
0: happen at all. In a really um, horrible way, I was at the, um, the derby at Old Trafford last year when United beat us 4-2, mm. and... Obviously, it was a horrific experience in every way for us, except um, for just the general appreciation of a good football player.
2: Yeah.
0: I had My eyes were open to the quality of Ander Herrera because it doesn't always come across watching on TV that kind of. Because they uh, cut away when the
2: ball, ball moves. Both, yeah, both the, the pace of the passes is always brilliant, his spacing is great, he, he just kind of Silver esque if you don't yeah. mind me saying so, in so much as he could play with his eyes closed and know where the other 10 players are at all times. Yeah,
0: his, his awareness of a football pitch is yeah. stunning. It's and, um, he's just a technically gifted player. So yeah, yeah. I agree he's the kind of player that can win leagues, but they don't use him properly.
2: No, they don't. And now he's injured again to wow. help kind of wrap this up in a tiny little bow. All right, well, that ran on much longer than I expected. I kind of just expected all of us to be like, nope, next. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, So we don't have time to talk about player watch, but if we could quickly run through... Matt match previews that would be great. We'll start off with you, Richard, and your upcoming match against Stoke.
0: Yeah, I think it's um it's a difficult game for us. Um obviously as we've touched on um, we'll be hoping that Sergio Aguero's fit and ready to play and not rush back um because He's a player that makes a difference. We used to have a, a horrific record at Stoke. Um, last year was the first time since they've been in the Premier League that we actually won at the Britannia Stadium um, when we, we talked them apart 4-1. And we've done that a couple of times to Mark Hughes' teams on the road, um, which gives me a bit of encouragement. We are in that stage of the season where we really, really need to put a run of form together um, because... You have to do that at some point to win the league it's no good winning three or four games and then dropping three points um because that that doesn't get us where we want to be so we have to I think it's a in so much as an away game in in December can be a must-win game I think it is uh, for the mentality as much as anything else um I think we are shaky at the back without Vincent company we do not keep clean sheets without him um but we do with him and I'm I, pretty sure he's not available. We'll hear more again from Pellegrini on Friday, but I'm I'm sure that's the case. Um I'm hoping that it'll be Mangala and Otamendi that start at the back. Um I would expect Colour to come back in after Clichy was given the minutes uh, in midweek. Um I think Stoker are a good team it's a completely different proposition to what it used to go in there is a completely different proposition to what it used to be. Um, which we used to struggle against the Tony Purley's team as many other sides did but we had a, a huge problem with them um, but I'm reasonably confident I think it'll be a tight game um, they'll also be riding high after their midweek win as well and, and getting to a cup semi-final will be a, a big deal for them I would think um, I think it's interestingly poised um, being the early game of the weekend gives us the, the chance to steal a bit of a march on teams and for whatever that's worth um, planting that that bit of pressure in other teams' heads Um In you know, the the Tottenham, Liverpool, United, Arsenal, make them think, pass that pressure on a little bit onto them. Um, Hopefully, David Silva will start. I'm sure he will now. He's got his first start back in. And even if he only gets an hour, that will be a huge deal for us. Um, Failing that if Aguero isn't fit, then I'm sure Wilfred Bonnie will start. Um, I'm hoping that Kevin De Bruyne will be right back to his best with Silver alongside him. I would not say he's been bad, but he did. He went off the pace a little bit um, during Silver's absence, mainly because we've moved him all around the front um, and he looked mentally tired as well as physically fatigued. Um, but again, boo-hoo, the, the poor little rich footballer is a bit <laughs> tired, so I won't make that excuse for him too much. But, um, I'm... I'm really looking forward to the game in a way that I don't usually look forward to playing Stoke because I think it's got potential to be a really good game. I've no doubt that they will cause us problems. Um I like a lot of their players. I think John Walters is a a pain in the backside. I like Morgan and Malfatano a lot. Um I like you know the some of the players that they brought in in the summer the likes of Shakiri. Um it'll be good to see them live just hopefully not um not too good. But I would be I would quietly be quietly confident, and again, this will come back to me. I'd be quietly confident of a a tight City win, but I think it's imperative that we get one.
2: Well, if you weren't a City fan, you could be much more loudly confident as you enter the match with the most goals scored, 30, and then with the least at 11. So on paper, at least, it looks like you could be in for a very nice day indeed. Uh, Next up is Tottenham versus West Brom. Hey, that's me. Um, I think, as I mentioned before, West Brom's defence... Uh, is very prone to collapsing once collapsed. That was a terrible analogy. (laughs) Once they concede one, they concede two. To borrow what Zach said earlier, and then I mimicked earlier as well. Uh, I think that we are kind of firing on all cylinders now. I think LaMela coming back and Della Ali both coming back into the starting 11 puts us back into that side that we were hoping to have throughout the season when one or the other had been missing. I think and they'll gel well back into the team they have lately. I think it works a lot better because of the secret four-three-three that for some reason no other Tottenham people are picking up. Uh, which blows my mind that people think that Dembele or Della Ali are sitting next to Eric Dyer in the formation. It's just not what's happening at all. Um, but that allows Ericsson to play out left, which I'm usually not a fan of. But it decreases Erickson's effectiveness by like 20% and doubles LaMela's effectiveness. Because they aren't constantly bringing people into each other's path. Uh, and so I think that actually works out quite well for us. Am I scared of West Brom scoring on us? Ah, uh, where's something wooden? No, um, <laughs> I do rate Solomon Rondon as a player, and he is the kind of player with the physique uh, that could cause problems for Toby and Jan, who, as talented as they are, are not your classic bruising center backs. Both more of the ball playing center back mold, uh, but he has difficulty finding the net sometimes, and that's if. West Brom create chances for him, which isn't always a given either. Sato Barahinio, if they play him, I think this becomes a much more interesting proposition after all of the drama that happened this summer. But he's been dropped recently, reportedly shipping him or shopping him around, and not hearing anywhere near the twenty six that we offered on deadline day last year. So, always glad to hear about how that uh, ownership team can. Uh, hmm. I don't know a nice way to say that, so I'm just going to move on. But anyway, uh, I'm I'm fairly confident that we can pick up a result here and, and extend our, our uh, undefeated streak. I would prefer it to be a win. I think something like 2-0 or 3-1 sounds about right for me. But again, knocking on all of the wooden things, because you never know. You mentioned Tony Pulis. He can, every once in a while, just pull out something ridiculous. Rondon can score an odd, worldy. Barajanio could come on and give our defense fits. McLean okay one time McLean is going to beat Kyle Walker and make him look silly and if Rondone puts that in the net then we're talking issues Uh, but if that happens to go awry I think we'll be fine I think they'll only create two or three chances in the match I'm going to say Tottenham win 3-1 because I do think that Kyle Walker will mess up and allow a goal alright yeah
0: sorry can I quickly correct myself on something I think I said because I don't want to make myself sound um, completely Uh, Amalfitano instead of Arnautovic Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, I clearly I'm an Arnautovic, not a Malfotano. Sorry.
2: Yeah. Agree, though. I, I do like Arnautovic. And yeah. I did like a Malfotano when he was at West Brom, so that was an actually very tidy segue that you made for me. <laughs> that was a lovely assist. Uh, very David Silva of you. All right, uh, Zach, are you shivering in your boots as you face a Newcastle side on the eve of getting rid of their manager?
1: I think in this league, you always fear the game that you're playing next, um, unless you are feeling invincible, as we were a couple of seasons ago. Um, Newcastle Newcastle away has been sort of an up-and-down fixture for us, Um, sometimes we walk it, sometimes they give us hell, seemingly because they seem to step up against us at times. Um, let's be honest we've just put it in black and white Newcastle aren't very good and we're playing some pretty good football away from home if you look at City um, Chelsea and the Southampton games away from home we play some stunning football the thing is Newcastle aren't as good as Southampton City or Chelsea so are they going to come at us as much and allow us as much space in midfield and behind their defence that is questionable they will be at home, and we know the Geordies can make a bit of a din, so perhaps they'll be willed out from just putting 10 men behind the ball like Swansea did at Anfield in the last Premier League game. So that's what we're hoping for, because when teams do that, we will just dismantle you. It's it's probably a f- becoming a fact now. <laughs> if you come out, you're going to be dismantled on the break, especially if we can keep Sturridge fit, Who's pace... Alongside Jordan Ibe and the speed of thought of Casino is 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 definitely our main asset. Um, will we press as much as normal, like against the big teams? Probably not, because we'll probably have more of the ball. So, so it's a it's a weird fixture because we're playing a a lowly team, but um, at their ground. So at their ground, you'd expect them to be out of defence, but being so poor and desperate for a result you're probably expecting to sit so it's very much it we'll see we'll just see after 10-15 minutes what the pattern of play is if Newcastle are stepping out then that's good for us if not then that's bad for us hmm. But I I fully expect us to win. I'm not putting any downers on it. We're playing some really good football. Fully expect Liverpool to win and extend uh, the win streak that we're on. And I think Klopp will take nothing but a win in this game. He he was in the press conference a few days ago. He even swore in front of the whole press group about the (laughs) Palace Palace game. Said he can't (laughs) effing forget this game that we lose. So. Mm. <laughs> you can tell he's searching for perfection and he's not hes not even said any of our performances have been perfect yet, he said very good and good and awesome but he's not said perfect so hopefully we'll give him a perfect performance, I'm going to go 2-0 Liverpool because I think we can keep a clean sheet at Newcastle with the way we've been playing so yeah. expecting a win and hopefully someone else slips up and we can move move up a couple of positions again, see how it goes
2: Hopefully it won't be us, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Hopefully it will be, but
1: for the sake of our friendship, hopefully not. Oh,
2: thanks. (laughs) All right. uh, well, we are out of time, so if you have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Uh,
0: Yeah, I am. Alright, for typicalcity.org a dedicated Manchester City blog um, and I'm also on the Blue Moon podcast which is released every Friday um, and is a dedicated Manchester City podcast so obviously I would recommend that any City fan and anybody else who wants to uh, read and listen to those things
1: um, i pretty much got the same shouts as I usually do when I come on here um, we've got, I've, I run an FPL podcast with a guy called Nick Truss um, the Twitter account is at AI Fantasy Footy and we record every Tuesday uh, just in time for it to be uploaded and give you the the do's and don'ts for the upcoming FPL week. Um, we're all doing it pretty good at the moment, so our tips are worthwhile. They weren't a few weeks ago, but we're starting to get into a good routine. Um, so, yeah, that's about it. Also, the Anfield Index uh, channel app, which is available on iTunes and soon to be, I believe, on Android, which is uh, mostly for Liverpool mm-hmm. fans. But there is some movie stuff and uh, comic stuff. And, and this very show. <laughs> and and this very show, in fact, as well. So um, it'd be great if anyone could download that and give it a whirl.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, Zach, uh, you raise an excellent point. I think most uh, fantasy, quote-unquote, experts, and I fully include myself in that speculative, quote-unquote, <laughs> an interesting year, to say the very least. It's been very uh, difficult. It's been very strange. It's very
1: hard to tell people that you're an expert when you gain 26 points in the opening week.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, my my worst one was uh, I told people to drop Aguero the week that he scored five goals. Um, <laughs> I did that but as well. Then, but then he missed the next five weeks, so if you just extrapolate it, he just scored each week he was gone. I wasn't that wrong cough. Uh, but anyway you can find me on twitter at coveroff. off i also do fantasy stuff including the fpl roundtable, which we had tech issues during yesterday but we'll be up by the time you're hearing this uh we should uh do a crossover episode zach sometime um yeah definitely <laughs> me and me and nick have already spoke about it think, yeah. like we've
1: not asked you but we've made plans for it <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> we just so... <laughs> decided you were coming on so yeah
2: so, yeah, so yeah. yeah we should definitely do that cool and so you're welcome listeners for a peek behind the curtain there Um, But yeah, you can find my fantasy ramblings over at blog.playtaga.com and theeaglesbeak.com where I have a weekly article on price points uh, and the players that will be easiest to take in, wait, take out and put into your squads. Uh, So yeah, and the FPL Roundtable is usually up Thursday mornings. This week will be up Friday morning by the time you hear this. So yeah, massive thanks to Richard for joining us the first time. Thanks to Zach for joining us as always. We hope you guys enjoyed it, and we hope you keep listening.